The center of the American soccer world is in Seattle right now with the U.S. men's national team set to take on Panama on Tuesday. This is the SBI show on a road show. Ivis is in Seattle. Ivis, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing pretty well, Garrett. I'm coming to you live from Century League Field where the U.S. Uh, just had training. It is Sunday afternoon. I am uh, par- tucked away in the, what is apparently the room where they print stuff at the stadium because it's, uh, all the radio booths were locked away. But uh, we're here, and uh, the U.S. team is here. And i got to tell you, man, they are in a great mood uh, coming off that win against Jamaica on Friday. Yes, the uh, first time ever that USA has won in uh, in Jamaica in World Cup qualifying. Uh, tons to talk about on this show, Ivis. Uh, real quickly, just to get everyone an idea, uh, we're going to have a SBI show Q&A. Ivis and I always talk about Actually, that's Ivis always talks about that, but we're going to have it at the end of the show. We're going to talk New York Cosmos, MLS Week 15, uh, Frank Yallop. We're going to talk about the U20s. Uh, we're going to talk about the matchup with Panama. But quickly, Ivis, before we get into all of that, let's look at the game against Jamaica that's put the U.S. in such a great mood. Uh, Josie out the door with the goal, and then Brad Evans, unbelievable goal to get the victory for the U.S. Um, you know, what, what positives do you take from this game? You know, any players or, or just team performance? What do you take from this game, Ivis? Well, I'd say this. You know, it, it, going into the game, I thought that I thought the U.S. was primed for a win. You know, I thought I thought they could really uh, take it to Jamaica. Uh, Jamaica came in; they they, they were a shorthanded team. Uh, they were missing three starters on the on defense. Luton Shelton, the, the the all-time leading scorer for Jamaica, was not called into the team. Uh, kind of a Landon Donovan type situation in Jamaica. Um, but they, you know, they they were primed. They were there for the beating for the beating. And uh, the U.S. did win the game, but they didn't necessarily uh, dominate them or, or outplay them the way you would have thought. And you know, you got to give a little credit to Jamaica, but at the same time, you know, the U.S. while they're definitely ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, to win that game and and to come and come back the way they did. I mean, you know, you, you give up a late goal and, and and instead of you know hanging their heads, they came right back down and Brad Evans scores a winner uh, in stoppage time. So that that is that gives a major momentum. But at the same time, there's definitely there are definitely things to work on. Well, we uh, we saw that uh, in the Jamaica Mexico game that Jamaica was uh, attacking the uh, attacking the flanks, and they did that again this week against. I'm sorry, not this week, last week against the U.S. I mean, you saw Beasley had to work a little bit more. Ed Evans had to work a little bit more. But I think you have to come away impressed with the way that the center backs, the, uh, the pairing of uh, uh, Beasley and Gonzalez, and, and how when Jamaica went back to the middle of the field, they were able to close down and lock down right there. Uh, talk a little bit about their performance. I mean, would you would you give them how, – how do you think they did overall for, for that in the back line? Well, if, if we're talking the center back. I mean, I think Beasler, Matt Beasler, is is really rounding into into form, and is really for me looking like clearly the best center back in the pool right now. I mean, he's so steady. Uh, uh, he, he passes well out of the back, and, and he just puts himself in good positions. Omar Gonzalez, he had a couple struggles early on. You know, there's no denying it. He looked a little shaky, but he really came on toward the end, and he really put uh, put a lot of uh, Jamaica threats uh, to bed. You know, he he, he had a lot of interventions. Uh, where he stepped in and he and, and, and he clo- you know closed the space, cleared balls away. Uh, so I thought he overall I thought he he had a, a pretty solid performance. Um, so overall, as the center backs, I thought they did well. The fullbacks had some issues. Obviously, mm-hmm. the speed Jamaica's speed on the flank was always going to be an issue. And uh, I, I tell you, I, I thought it was a little interesting that I know people were really down on 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 fullbacks or specifically like Beasley because you know he had his issues with Jermaine Johnson. But my point would be this, you know. If if you have a speedy guy uh, attacking, um, if, if he doesn't get the ball off that to provide quality service, then it doesn't really matter if he gets a step on a guy. You know, like Beasley, I, I thought much like the Mexico game. I thought uh, he 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 had some issues. He had some struggles dealing with the speed, but he kept enough pressure. He stayed he, he stayed with it enough mm-hmm. so that the attackers didn't have an easy go of it and didn't and weren't able to put the ball in easily. Uh, and, and that's what you saw. You're, you know, for all the times, for all the times the, J- the Jamaican attackers went at Beasley, or Jermaine Johnson uh, got kind of got the corner on Beasley. For all the times he did that, he, he didn't get a single good cross off or shot off. So, at the end of the day, did Beasley really have a bad game, or didn't he? And I, personally, I don't think he had as bad a game as some people are saying he had. Well, Jurgen also said that uh, Beasley suffered a little bit when uh, Fabian Johnson got disconnected, and then also praised. Uh, how Edgar Castillo looked when he went in the game and it helped Beasley out a little bit. But I think for the most part, I mean, Beasley's still, what, obviously the best option at left back, correct? 
Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He's the guy. And, and you did. And I'm glad you mentioned Fabian Johnson. Fabian Johnson did not have a good game. Um, when you consider going into that game, he was supposed to be someone that, if healthy, should have a field day. I mean, he went up against Alvis Powell, who you know is an 18-year-old high school kid playing mm-hmm. right back for Jamaica's national team. And I got to give Powell credit. You know, he he did not look good against Mexico. But he came back and he showed really well. You know, he, he held his own. And, and at the end of the day, Fabian Johnson just didn't really go at him and really didn't have success uh, taking him on. And, and I thought uh, it wasn't a great game for him. You wonder if he was 100% or not, if he was he favoring the hamstring or the or whatever issues that he had uh, that took him out of the you know the last game. Uh, but, it, you know, I want to see how Johnson responds. You know, I think he'll still start against Panama. Uh, but it definitely wasn't a great game from him against Jamaica. And on the attacking end, uh, Graham Zuzzi, uh, just unbelievable. He's looking spectacular. And, and now, and, and I hate to bring up the Landon Donovan thing, but, you know, Zuzzi's kind of taking the role that Landon Donovan had on that right wing. And, I mean, that's back-to-back weeks that that he's connected with uh, Josie Altidore. I mean, Josie Altidore getting two goals back-to-back games. The, the, the top is clicking right now. Unfortunately, Zuzzi's not going to be available for Panama, but... I think obviously you still have to be incredibly impressed and pleased with the way that Zuzi's been handling that right side. Right. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned Landon Donovan because uh, a few of you know a few of Landon Donovan's bigger fans were still out there, kind of wanting to knock on Zuzi. But listen, folks, there is no denying that Graham Zuzi's played well in these couple of games, and in this game in particular, Jamaica game, it was a quality all around performance. It, it, he, he provided service, he covered a ton of ground, and he also put in a lot of work defensively uh to help out Brad Evans um you know deal with it with mm-hmm. uh, Macaulay from from Jamaica uh the speedy left winger you know he 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 got back a ton so he covered so much ground and he provided obviously a great ball uh and you know some you know every once in a while you hear people talk about Zussi and all you know he's not a fast player he's not a speedster right no one's going to say he's a speedster but you know what he's pretty quick and he he moves well he creates space for himself yep. and and you saw it on the outdoor goal he got a step on on the the Jamaican left back, and that was all he needed to get a good cross off. And that's all you need, folks. You know, if he can do that, then he can get the job done there. And, I, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, he's better than Landon Donovan or any of that stuff. It's not about Landon Donovan. It's about the team that's there now, and it's about Graham Zussi getting the job done. Mm-hmm. And and he's making Jurgen Klinsmann look pretty damn good because uh, you know when they named the roster. When they named the squad, you know, there was definitely a lot of hand-wringing about Graham Zussi's just not that good. He's not, you know, he, internationally, he's just not going to get the job done. And you know what? He's done. He's, hey, against Germany, he got it done. And now against Jamaica, he got, he got it done. And it's a little unfortunate that, you know, he, he got that yellow card that was a little questionable that's going to keep him out of this game. But I think he's still done enough now to, to put himself in a really good spot going forward on this national team. Uh, it's amazing how... You, you, well, first off, first off, I, I read some of the comments after the game, and it's funny. Everyone's like, I thought the U.S. looked pretty good overall. You know, clearly there's some things that they need to fix up. I mean, Jurgen looked like a madman on the sidelines the whole entire game. <laughs> I mean, did you see that? He was screaming the whole game. Well, you know, I think I think <laughs> that that he does that quite a bit. I just think the way the game was broadcast uh, maybe put a little more emphasis on showing him in that in yeah that light. Uh, but he's not someone who sits on his hands during games. I can tell you that they made it seem like that. But it's but it, the thing I think you're always going to find, Ivis, is that there's always going to be people that are always just going to do the well. I don't know if they're that good routine. You know, when is it that we're going to maybe kind of sit back and say, "Hey, look, this team's playing pretty good under Jurgen for the history." I mean, they beat Italy. You tie Mexico in Mexico. You're looking great right now in qualifying. I mean, you beat Germany last week. Regardless, they're a top ten team in in, in the world. When are we going to kind of maybe give Jurgen a break with his selections and, and formations and stuff like that, and kind of just say, you know, hold off on the panic button? You know. Uh, well, I would say as far as Zussi goes, and especially with the whole Landon Donovan thing, I think some people are really living in the past uh, when it comes to you know certain people's accomplishments, certain players who are not with the team right now, and you can't. And the fact that these guys aren't around, it's easy to kind of paint this picture. That, that they're still the player that they were, right? And and Landon Donovan, it's not just that he's not in this on this team. He hasn't been really around the team for for the better part of a year and a half. You know, he's played I think in maybe six of, of eighteen games, and now, actually now it's even more of, more of a of a disparity uh, with all these recent games that he's missed. And uh, he just hasn't been around. And and, and anyone who who wants to bash Graham Zusi and talk about how great Landon Donovan is, it's like what Landon Donovan. 
are you really comparing him to? Are you comparing him to present? Are you comparing him to present day LA Galaxy Landon Donovan, or are you comparing him to the the ghost of Landon Donovan, the the, the star two thousand two World two, Cup, two, two, the two thousand and two to two thousand nine, uh, you know, all time leading scorer Landon Donovan, and that's not fair. That's that you can't you can't expect Graham Zuzzi to stack up against uh, Landon Donovan's resume, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. What he has to do is is take the job that that Jurgen has given him and 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 you know, complete it. And he's been doing that. Mm-hmm. He's been getting service in uh, to Josie Altidore. He's gotten Josie Altidore two, two goals, goals uh, when he hadn't scored since November of 2011. So give the guy some credit. He's putting in a ton of work and, he, and he's making the most of his opportunity right now. And in, instead of people, con, you know, and it's not a lot of people. I, I'm going to be fair here. It's not like everyone's out here still, you know, ringing the Landon Donovan bell. But there's a couple. There's a couple people still on that thing. But I tell you what. Graham Zuzzi has done enough now. Uh, I think he earned, he deserves a little more respect. I think he, people need to look at what he's doing now and appreciate it. If you're a U.S. fan, appreciate what he is doing instead of continuing to to to, to you know harp on uh, the guys who aren't here, who the, particularly Landon Donovan. I agree with you on Zuzzi, and especially the thing is, look, you don't have to be a fast player, but if you can create separation and create chances and create opportunities, then it doesn't matter if you're the slowest guy in the field, because if you can still do it, you can still do it. Uh, unfortunately, like we said, Zuzzi's going to be out for the game uh, against Panama because of uh, too many yellow cards, and now Jermaine Jones is going to be out, uh, and I think people, you know, penning him as the best player on the pitch against the against Jamaica, but for the U.S. Ivis with these two guys out, what what are we going to see differently, formation wise, players wise, and tactically wise? I don't think we're going to see a change in formation. I think we're still going to see a four four two with Jermaine Jones out, and and he he actually put it out before the team did. He put it out on Twitter today on Sunday that you know he's out for Panama, and no one's surprised by that. I mean, he looked like he was unconscious after he uh, took that hit uh, in the head. Uh, against Jamaica, so you know when, when you when you when you get knocked out, mm-hmm. you really should take a bit. You should take some serious time off just to be safe. So there's no, you know, you can't have a guy play four days, four days later. But if Jermaine Jones is out, Graham Zussi's out. I think for the Zussi part, for the attacking side of things, I think the best bet would be Eddie Johnson coming into the starting lineup, mm-hmm. and maybe you put Fabian Johnson on the right. Uh, and that's the and the, the real. Question for I mean I I mean me I would put all kinds of money on Eddie Johnson starting I think you know he's shown well when he's been given minutes he is going to be in Seattle playing in front of in front of his home fans uh, I'm sh- and, and it's not a case of oh you know you, you want to let him play in front of his home fans I think it's a case of you know he's going to step his game up playing in front of his home fans and you know the crowd there is going to freak is going to go crazy when you know he's on the field doing things so mm-hmm. I think there's benefits there. I mean, he he's good enough. I mean, this isn't you know like and, you know Jurgen's doing him a favor. You know, if, if Klinsman puts him on the field, it's because he really thinks he can get the job done, and I think he's shown that. So I think I think I think you could see Johnson on the left, Fabian Johnson, the Johnson and Johnson wings, uh, and then and then defensive midfield. That that's going to be an interesting one because when Jeff Cameron moved into that role against Jamaica, I, I think it caught some people by surprise because I think most most would have thought Sasha Kleshton would be the guy that to come in uh, to play that role. Uh, um, but you know what? I tell you, Panama's a different cha- animal. It's a different challenge than Jamaica. You know, Jamaica's a more physical team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, real athletic, strong team. Panama, especially, particularly in their attack, very technical, quick, speedy team. Uh, they pass the ball really well. They move off the ball really well. Uh, so, you know, is Cameron suited for that, or do you go with a Sasha Kleshton in the middle? Uh, so that that's going to be an interesting one. Stuart Holden, I don't think is at this point like a 90-minute ready player, so I don't think you can start him just yet. Um, maybe you get him some minutes uh, later in the game, but I think it's going to come down to either you go with Jeff Cameron, who I thought looked pretty good in defensive midfield, or, um, you know, the, the you know, I'm totally blanking now. Sasha question. Sasha question. There you go. So, you know, Jeff Cameron, <laughs> Jeff Cameron, but again, remember, folks, when you talk about Jamaica, um, their attackers in the middle. Um, Not as technical. Not as technical. They're a little more physical, physically gifted. Yes. So Cameron, it played in the Cameron strengths. I mean, Cameron's so long and athletic. He 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 just breaks up uh, passes pretty well there. But when you talk about lateral quickness of the Panamanians, uh, particularly in their midfield, it's going to be really tricky. So that's the tough question for Klinsman. Do you go with Klesian or do you go with Cameron? Well, personally, I would like to see Cameron. You're also going to have to see uh, the wing players. 
also coming back and, and helping to defend. I mean, there won't be as much pressure on the uh, on the outside uh, defenders, but maybe for the wing players, they have to come back. I, I, here's a name I just want to throw out, Ivis. What about Joe Corona? <laughs> Funny you mention that. Ah. Because, you know, he, he is an option. But, no, no, but here's the thing, right? I think he's more of an option as a winger. And, and Klinsman, when he's, That's talking what I'm about, saying. he's talking about him as a winger. But my thing is this. like, it, All right, if, if Klinsman is not happy with Fabian Johnson to the point that he doesn't think he should still be on the field as a starter, then yes, I think you go Corona. But at the same time, you know, he hasn't started in a qualifier before. Um, I don't know if you necessarily want to put him in just yet into that situation. I actually talked to Corona today and asked him about that, about playing on the wing. And, you know, he's played more centrally uh, lately for Tijuana. And, you know, he made the point that, you know, when he first was playing, for for the the cholos he, he played on the right wing so he's comfortable with that position he can play there uh it, it's not a bad uh it's not a bad idea it's not a bad uh you know i know a lot of people want to see him start for the u.s and see what he can do what he can bring to the attack i don't know if it's quite that time yet you know i think i think you know for me you know eddie johnson's got to be on the field somewhere uh and while yes fabian johnson does not have a good game uh against jamaica i still think I still think you got to trot him out there one more time and see what he can do. And, and and also, we're not even talking about Brad Davis. Davis is in a tough spot because, you know, I think I think he's someone who has played well enough to maybe deserve a look. But, you know, Eddie Johnson's more suited to the left side. So I think he's still be, maybe behind Eddie Johnson right now um, for that left wing spot. So and, and you for sure see Josie as the only uh, only striker up top, correct, with Dempsey kind of trailing right behind well, him? Well, you're right. I think it's going to be 4-2-3-1 um, with Eddie, on, Eddie Johnson on the left. Clint Dempsey underneath uh, Altidore and Fabian Johnson on the right. Um, that's for me. I think that's the most likely scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, could you have Brad Davis on the left and, and Joe Crone on the right? That'd be interesting. That I think it would. But again, Ooh. I still like, for me, I would put all sorts of money on Eddie Johnson starting. Ooh, that that oh man, could you imagine Brad? It's 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 in a year from now. It's gonna be funny to look back and see like God. Do you remember when he had these guys step up? Guy like Evans is he gonna make the World Cup if the U.S. qualifies? Maybe not, but. It's gonna be fun to go to go back and look at all hey, this. It happens, man. Every cycle. I, I mean, all you gotta remember, Connor Casey. Connor Casey, two thousand nine <laughs> World Cup qualifying. Connor Casey scored the goals that got the U.S. into the World Cup, and I mean that you know, and that's what you need. You know, when you go through a qualifying cycle, it's not about just the, the regular the regular star players. It's also about guys filling in and, and and when you know when called upon and playing a role. And and there's and that's valuable too. You know, there's value value in that you know these guys might not make the world cup team they might not get to brazil but they still deserve some credit if by, for helping the team get there well uh right now the u.s is second in the uh in the standings they're uh they're tied uh, on points with costa rica u.s is second mexico third uh they're taking on panama who's in that fourth uh spot they'd pl- if, if, if going forward whoever finishes fourth um, just general note that they'll play the winner of Oceania, which might probably most likely be New Zealand. Uh, but Panama in their game, their previous game, they they, uh, they did USA a favor. Scoreless draw against Mexico, 0-0. And now going into the U.S. game, Blas Perez is uh, going to be out for this game. And, and that's going to be a big blow for them. You know, For a guy who you know we've seen score goals against the U.S. before, uh, is this really going to affect Panama's chances, Ivis? Absolutely. I mean, he is their go-to guy. He is their lead attacking player. He has ten goals in the in this qualifying cycle, and I'm not just talking the hex. I'm talking the all rounds of the 2014 World Cup qualifying cycle. He has the second most goals in all of Concacaf, and he has the most among players still in the hex. Um, so he, he, I mean, without question, he's like when you talk about Panama and the players that they could afford to lose, he's. He, He's, he's one or two on the list of players they could not afford to lose. That's really going to hurt them, especially against the U.S. I mean, any, any U.S. fans with good memories knows they know that, I mean, he has been a thorn in the side of the U.S. since going back to 2007. I mean, we're talking about a guy, he's played in five games against the U.S. And in those five games, he, at least five games, he started five games since 07. He's had two goals. He's drawn a penalty, that Tim Reed penalty in the, in the Gold Cup 2011. And he's also drawn a red card. He drew the red card against Jeff Cameron in the friendly down in Panama. So he is a handful, absolutely a handful. And and Panama, th- th- it's a huge drop-off for them from Perez to the other options they have. They still have Luis Tejada, who is a, who is a solid and dangerous forward and, and definitely will be a handful. But ha- dealing just with Tejada is, and some in it, other inexperienced options mm-hmm. is a big difference than dealing with Tejada and Blas Perez. Well, the, I mean, with Panama, the, the, the U.S. just, you know, they need to be 
able to to counter on this team because you know in Mexico we, we saw Panama send a lot of players uh, up for it. So hopefully the U.S. can can develop a counter attack in this. Do you think that's maybe going to be the best way to defeat them, or, or do you think Panama is going to maybe hold players back for the majority of the game? I think Panama is always going to look for the counter. Uh, they, I tell you what, their defense uh, is not going to be easy to, to break down. You know, I think they have a pretty solid group there. Uh, when you talk about Felipe Loy and Ramon Torres, uh, one of the better center back combinations uh, you're going to see in CONCACAF. So defensively, you know, the U.S. is going to have the hands full. Josie Altidore is going to, I mean, that battle. But Loy versus Altidore, I tell you what, when you want to talk about oh, uh, uh, a matchup of two just physical specimens going at it, I mean, I mean those guys. You could put them in an MMA cage. I mean, and 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 just see you know see who wins out. Uh, Joe, you know Josie's on a little bit of a run right now, but you know he's going to have his hands full, and it's really going to be up to the wingers to have a good game uh, against against Panama. Panama, I think for me, their fullbacks are a bit of a weakness for me. That you know, I don't, I don't think they're among the better fullbacks in Concacaf. So if whoever it is, whether it's Eddie Johnson, Brad Davis on the left, or whether it's Fabian Johnson. Joe Cronin on the right. Those guys need to step up and provide some service. Well, hopefully the U.S. can get greedy. We talked. We, I mean, we, we mentioned this before. If the U.S. with these three games can get uh, seven points, that would be awesome. But now beating Jamaica, get nine points, uh, outstanding. Also, I want to point out one thing about the U.S. that I'm just loving right now is the short corner kicks that uh, that the U.S. is employing. I, I mean, I think this is really helping them out uh, on the attack. And I mean, they seem to be more dangerous when when they do that. I don't know, man. I don't know a lot of people that are fans of short corners. I feel like anytime someone sees short corners get taken, they they wonder what what the heck's going on. Although I will be, I mean, although I will say, you know, there's a little bit of a history with short corners. I mean, everyone remembers 2005 USA versus Mexico, uh, the short corner that US scored on in Columbus uh, to seal to seal that victory and that qualifying run in 05. Um, but not, I, you know, well, I, they they don't play with the ball is the thing. You know what I mean? They, 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 they try to do something. If they can't do it, they'll send the ball in. I like that. They're not trying to get the ideal thing. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll try it and then they'll put the ball in. I, I'm just saying, I, I, I've enjoyed it and they look very dangerous when they do that. I don't know about very dangerous, but you know, it's, a, hey, it's they got the goal. They got the goal with Evans though. What's that? They, I mean, Evans scored off of that with that short pass. Yeah. yeah but I mean, it wasn't like direct. I mean, you know, Michael Bradley had to make a move to you know to get free. That that's that's reach. That's, you know, that's a little bit of reach, personally. But I mean, you know what? It, it, if they're not getting if they're not getting chances on corner kicks through the normal way, then yes, you want to make you can mix it up, try some some something different, and, and see if your guys can can put together some passes. Uh, keeping it with uh, with U.S. men's uh, national team soccer news, the U twenties uh, have all left uh, to head over. Uh, to Turkey to participate in the U uh, U twenty World Cup. The uh, U S kicks the first game off against Spain on uh, June twenty first, and uh, you know, Ivis, uh, is, is there a lot of pressure on this team to perform well, or, or I mean, do, do 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 we need them to perform well? Well, look, it's the U twenties, right? Uh, we have to put it in some perspective. Um, we can't expect like all these guys to be make up the senior national team in four years. Mm-hmm. You're going to only, fair to say, I mean, you just have to look at the track record of the past few 20 teams. You're only going to have a few of these guys really pan out and be regular U.S. national team contributors. What you want to see is just, you know, progress in, in terms of developing young talent. And I think that's what the measure is with when you talk about, especially with the U.S., where it's still a work in progress, the whole development system. Uh, MLS academies are still just, just now kind of starting to produce a little more talent, uh, you know, more more prospects coming through the pipeline. So I think what the, the importance of this is, is just to see the U.S. send a youth team that can play well and, and, and you know, play some entertaining attacking soccer, some technical soccer. And, and given the draw, I mean, you can't expect too much, but at least if they go out there and, and, and show that they can play close to the same level, uh, with some top teams in 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 the world, you know that, that that's good. It's a, it shows some progress for the U.S. But you know, by no means, you know what? If they go out there, if they go to Turkey and they lose all three games, um, it's not it's not the end of the world by any by no means is the end of the world. I mean, look at think about the last U twenty team, right? Mm-hmm. The one that didn't qualify. Um, you know, I think a lot of those players, as much as devastating as that was, that failure to qualify for the under twenty World Cup did not stop the development of, of, of quite a few players on that team. You know, when you talk about, you know, Amobi Akugo, Kellen Rowe, um, 
quite a few guys on that team. Perry Kitchen, you know, I mean, these are guys that, you know, they overcame that. And some of the same guys that overcame the Olympic qualifying debacle, uh, they, you know, they weren't ready at that those points in their career uh, to be at, the, you know, to, to perform well in that competition. But a lot of those guys, they, they, they kept developing. They developed a little later. And now some of these guys are some of the best players in MLS. Uh, with this group, you have some, some very intriguing players. Yes. Jose Ferial, Luis Gil, DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, there's some there's some really enticing prospects. So that you know, U.S. fans, it's natural. You want to see these guys. You you want to find the next like star, like Landon Donovan type player. Oh really? Uh, that's just that's so, just natural. So, no, so, hey, Landon. So he, listen, so, Landon so he can all years old at the World Cup. Demarcus Beasley, twenty years old. That's what people want to see. They want to find a young player who could be that hope, uh, that you know, world class player type hope. Right? That's just natural. People I, I, I take a deep I take a deep breath now though. I feel like we're always way too close to 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 appoint the next one the the next one that's going to save us. You know, that's what it is. That's just natural, man. I Fans know, are like but... that. You know. And, and and that's what makes it. Fun but then, but then people, but, but people turn though very quickly though, very quickly what? though. You know what that comes with it, man. That's know, never right? going to change. People are always going to be that way, especially when they keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting, and we still haven't had that kind of breakthrough international top starting from Real Madrid and Barcelona American player. It hasn't happened yet, and and, and until that happens, it's like. People keep keep jumping the gun. People keep jumping on any guy who any any player, any young player who shows some quality. It's like, oh my god, could this be the one? Could this be the guy? You know what? I, I, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish US fans had more patience and but you know what, you kinda understand it. You know, it can get a little desperate when, when you see other other countries that are smaller countries and they somehow produce mm-hmm. uh, you know, these kind of these kind of breakthrough international stars. So but listen, back to the main point. This U twenty team no, there's not pressure for this team to, to win the tournament or get or you know finish in the top three. The 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 goal is to play well, right? If they lose all three games but play well, score goals, show you know match up well, you know what? There's value in that. There's some value. It's a great experience for some of these guys uh, to play on you know on a stage of that of that magnitude. Mm-hmm. And, and if they play well, then that is. For, you know, I know people say, "Oh, moral victories." That doesn't mean anything. But you know what? When you're talking <laughs> about developing younger players, um, if they can show that kind of progress, that that to me means a ton. You know, if you're gonna, I know some say, "Oh, you know, it's it's only thing that matters is winning." For the, you know what? When you're talking about the national, the senior team, yes, that's what matters. But you know what? When you're talking about the younger teams, developing talent, uh, th- that is not all that matters. And that's and you know what that's one of the main problems when you when we're talking about youth development in this country that people are trying to combat now is this whole idea that all that everyone's just playing for results and you have a U eight team and U nine team U eight six team and you're worried about the wins and losses and, and coaches are playing for that as opposed to developing talent and making the game fun and and working on the skills that these players you know that's what matters when you're talking about young players so listen folks don't go crazy if the U, if the U twenties don't win any games, but you want to see them play well. And I tell you what, there's talent on this team. Uh, the guys I just mentioned, uh, you know, Cody Cropper's, uh, you know, interesting goalkeeping prospect. There's some guys in this team that you're going to want to watch. And uh, there's going to be some stars come out of this tournament, without a doubt. So that's what that's what you want to watch for, folks. You want to watch for that, looking for those guys who can step it up and, and, and make that jump to the senior team. Uh, like we said, uh, the U.S. kicks uh, their first game off against Spain on June 21st, followed by France on June 24th, and they close out against Ghana on June 27th. Hopefully we can give Ghana a little payback for the World Cup in 2010. Uh, in MLS news, Ivis, uh, surprised a lot of people, surprised even uh, their own fans and even certain players, but Frank Gallup is out uh, at San Jose. It was a uh, mutual uh, agreement that that he and the club came to for him to leave. Uh, the assistant coach, uh, Mark Watson, takes over, but uh, very surprising that that kind of came out of nowhere, especially for the guy who really guided San Jose to the Supporters' Shield last year. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many people saw that coming. I mean, it, it, it was... Uh... <laughs> We know they're struggling, right? We know they're under. They, they, they've completely, you know. When you talk about last year, where everything went right for them, they mm-hmm. went and they won the Supporters Shield, and they had all these, you know, over, you know, overtime, stoppage time, late wins, late tra- late draws. You know, everything went right for them, and, and they, you know, to their credit, they played good soccer too. But this year, things just have gone, just have not gone well. And even with that, you still didn't. I, I can't imagine anyone pictured that. You, Gallup, Frank Gallup would be in danger of losing his, his job. I mean, seven months ago, 
they're winning the supporter shield. So it, I, I can't imagine, you know, we don't know, you know, no, no one was in that room except the three guys that, that hashed us out when you talk about him, uh, Yallop, John Doyle and, and, uh, Dave Caval, the, the president of the earthquakes. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows what it, it ultimately came down to. I mean, there's all kinds of rumors flying about maybe San Jose had having their eye on, on other people. Dom Kinnear is a name that's making the rounds now is someone who, you know, at the end of this year, maybe takes over, uh, you know, for those who, 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 you know, don't have that MLS ex- uh, knowledge, you know, he was he was the coach of the of this San Jose Earthquakes before they moved to Houston and became the Houston Dynamo. So, you know, he has ties to the San Jose soccer community. He has ties to this Earthquakes team. Him and John Doyle are really tight. So maybe Dom Kinnear will be will be the answer down at, at some point. Maybe he's the answer come 20, uh, 2014. But, you know, it, I, I don't know what happened there. I mean, you know, you, you, you want to hope that Yallop, you know, wrote his own ticket out right that because i think he earned that if he was just completely pushed out that that there's then there's a lot to answer for from the san jose uh for the earth you know the earthquake front office there's a lot to answer there because you know i think he did enough to to deserve more than that um that being said if they came to if they both came to that realization that you know what maybe it's better for all involved if they cut ties now because you know clearly frank yallop is going to have other options i mean we were talking about a guy who's won MLS Cups before, supporter shields before. He is a well-respected coach. He will find a job, and he might find a job this year. DC United wanted to <laughs> yeah. interview him. They wanted to talk to him before they, you know, last time they had the job open. Uh, they wanted Frank Yellow. They wanted to hire him. So who knows? Maybe Ben Olsen. You know, obviously Ben Olsen's on the hot seat. Maybe if Ben Olsen gets the boot, maybe Frank Yellow takes over there. I, I tell you, one way or another, when the season starts for 2014 in MLS, I find it highly unlikely. Frank Yallop will not be a coach. But for San Jose, that's I, I don't know where they go. I mean, I know we're hearing a lot about Mark Watson and, you know, assistant coach and a lot of people respect him. I just don't I, I just don't think he's the I don't think he's going to be the answer long term. I think I think maybe Kinnear's a guy they make a play for. Well, unless he has a uh, a magic wand to get everyone on the team healthy, he could have that. You never know. What's that? <laughs> you know? Well, I'll tell you maybe, what. If he has maybe that's what it was. Sorcery abilities. Then, you know what? Sure. I mean, that you know, well that might you tell you what. Maybe that's maybe that explains last year. Because it seemed like there was magic or something, some kind of spells being cast with all the stoppage time goals they kept scoring last oh year. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? Where, where is... At the end of the day, look, there's pressure there. They're building a stadium. They're, they're going to have their yep. new home, their new stadium. Um, they, they need, you know, they, maybe that maybe that's part of it. Maybe San Jose said, look, you know, we have this bigger picture. There's, you know, maybe we have our eyes on someone else to, to kind of take the reins. And, you know, and maybe Frank Gallup saw it and said, you know what? Maybe this isn't the place for me going forward, so why don't we just cut ties now so we can all figure things out for 2014. Yeah, that's smart. You know, Maybe you're right on that. Maybe it's better to do this now than in the offseason where you're trying to get everything amped up going into the season. It's a good point, Ivis. Yeah, you know, hey, they, it's, it's all it, – think about it. If you're San Jose and you're looking at this season, you're already like, well, you know what? It's not looking really good for the playoffs. Yeah. Let's start thinking about the next year and let's start thinking about the stadium and, and – and, and, planning things and building things toward that. And you know what? I know Houston Dynamo fans are going to hate the idea of Dom Kinnear leaving. But you know what? Think about this, right? Dom Kinnear was the head coach in San Jose. He and that team were uprooted by this move, by, by you know, AEG's decision to move that team to Houston. It wasn't really fair for any, anybody involved. So nobody, nobody can begrudge him if he wants to go back to San Jose. He has roots there. He has ties there. I'm not Putting words in Dom Kinnear's mouth. He has not come out and said he wants to go to San Jose. He has a contract. I'm just saying, if that comes, if that, you know, if if Dom Kinnear goes to Houston and says, listen, I want to go home. I want to go back to San Jose. I put my time in. We won MLS Cups. We've done a great job here. They've been to, you know, four MLS Cup finals. I mean, no one can argue he hasn't done the job as the coach there. I think he's earned the right to, to leave if he has to leave, if he wants to leave. And you know what? Houston will be fine. Houston will find some, uh, you know, whether it's someone like John Spencer, you know, that's I'm gonna throw a name out there for you. You know, former Houston Dynamo assistant, um, someone who's still had you know pretty well respected uh, around the league, although not in Portland. Obviously, things didn't go well in Portland, but tell you what, they, they'll be fine. That the Houston organization will be fine. Chris Kennedy, as long as he's running the show there, he'll he'll he'll, he'll make the right decisions. So I, it's gonna be a hey, interesting offseason. It's gonna add even more intrigue uh, come this. week. Man, and look at you already throwing names out there already. Hey, man. Hey, you know what? It's not just me. I'm not gonna. Uh, I, I heard yesterday uh, from someone about about the whole 
Dom Kinnear thing, and it, and it was already going out there. Though John Spencer, you know what? I, I, you know, I really like him as a coach. You know, obviously things did not go well in Portland, mm-hmm. so maybe he's the answer in Houston. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you have someone uh, someone else step up. You know, whether Steve Ralston's there, Wade Barrett. Uh, you know, I don't know who they're grooming or who else might take over. But again, Chris Canetti, who runs the show over there in Houston, I'm sure he's going to make the right decision. Whoever he hires. If Dom Kinnear even leaves, it's like, man, I already got him back in his bags. Yeah, but I, I, I would put a, if there was a if there was a line on it right now, I'd put a little money on Dom Kinnear going to San Jose. Maybe. Well, Ivis, there was uh, some MLS action this weekend. Uh, some teams were cough <clears throat> uh, affected by uh, by certain play- players maybe being called up to their national team duty. Uh, but uh, one of the games where a player benefited of a player being called up was that Seattle versus uh, Vancouver. 53,000 people attended the match, and uh, Lamar Nagel had a showing in that game. And, uh, I mean, I, I was, when you look at Seattle now, it's putting Eddie Johnson in a very difficult spot with just the play that Lamar Nagel's had this season. How, what? What are you talking about? How's it putting Eddie Johnson in I don't know, because now it's you got to say that. I mean, Lamar Nagel is going to be... He's justified himself for the starting eleven. No, where does that why put Eddie Johnson? Why can't they both play? Okay, well then, where do you put Obi Fay Martins? Well, why do you have to play Lamar Nagelhead forward? I I think he looks better forward. He looks better, Eddie Johnson. Uh, he's playing better right now. Well, because Eddie Johnson's not playing right now. See, see, you can look better when the other guy's not playing. Listen, I'll tell you what. They're all going to be on the field. It's a great problem to have if you're Seattle. Seattle's got a ton of talent. It's the reason I picked them to pin, win the whole thing this year. Um, Siggy Schmidt will find somewhere to put Lamar Nagel. Could be in the midfield, could be up top. Great problem to have. Um, you also have Brad Evans. Hey, Brad Evans is coming back into the mix. You got to get him on My the field. My boy. You got to get Mauro Rosales. It's crazy. It's tons of tons of stuff there. Um, hey, play right. At, Brad Evans at right back. You know, you got DeAndre no, Evans off in. You can't DeAndre do that. Evans. You can't Yedlin's put you can't put Yedlin on the bench, Ivis. Come on. Uh, Garrett, DeAndre Yedlin's going to be in Turkey for. <laughs> weeks in case you forgot Ooh, so that's right i'm just i'm yeah so i'm just i'm just telling you it's a great problem to have i was actually talking to siggy schmidt today uh about that about just you know the options and, and hey eddie mm. johnson can play wide he can play forward brad evans can play midfield he can play he can play right back lamar nagel can play in the midfield can play up top great great problems to have um and, and you know what it's, it, there's no problem with having a rotation uh a rotation of players that you know keep guys fresh uh, and then settle on your team, on your 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 locked in eleven. And remember, Osvaldo Alonso's hurt now, right? I mean, he you know they they're playing without him. Uh, they, you know he's gonna he's missing some time now. So Seattle man, they're they're starting to really put it together. Mm-hmm. And this is this is great to see, uh, considering the guys that they're missing, ha- having guys step up and just show and just flexing that that muscle that depth that they do have. And Lamar Nagel. Tell you what, man, I, I can't imagine Seattle is regretting that trade, but Montreal, Montreal gave him away. Uh, they gave him back to Seattle for uh, a, a, an international roster spot. And I know there's value in the international roster spots, but, man, Lamar Nagel is a good player. And Seattle made out like bandits. You know, think about that. I mean, they traded Lamar Nagel and Mike Fusito for Eddie John. And then they traded... Uh, international spot for Lamar Nagel. So basically, the trade now is, is is Eddie Johnson for Mike Fusito and an international roster spot. I think that's a pretty good bit of business for for, for Seattle. Also, uh, Vancouver they looked pretty good in this game, and we've been talking about their performance as of late. It can, what, what went wrong for them in this game, Ivis? Uh, hey man, Seattle stepped up. Uh, you know they 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 their attack did well. Lamar. Hey, Andy Rose. We got to talk about Andy Rose, right? And, uh, Osvaldo Alonso is out. Andy Rose steps in, goal and an assist. And it, it's a, you know what? The, the goal he scored. I mean, that looked like a striker's goal. Nice. You know, when I, as I'm watching the game, I was at the game. I'm here. I'm here in Seattle, and he breaks out from midfield in full stride, gets the ball in stride, finishes it beautifully. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, wait a minute. When did Seattle sign some Scandinavian forward, right? I'm watching this as it's happening. And then uh and then I'm like, "Wait a minute. Holy crap. That's that's Andy Rose scoring goal like that." So it was, I was pretty pretty surprised by that. But hey, Andy Rose goal and an assist, quality player. And I tweeted about it last night, but you know, for people who who didn't weren't aware, you know, he he didn't even go drafted. He wasn't drafted in the regular draft in 2012. He went he was the first player taken in Draft. 38 players were taken ahead of Andy Rose. And I can tell you what, Andy Rose is a quality player. And some might say, oh, well, he doesn't play 
it's on the minutes for Seattle. But look, I guarantee you, Andy Rose would start for quite a few teams in MLS. Um, and but hey, he's he's playing under study to Osvaldo Alonso. That's not necessarily a you know that's not exactly chopped liver. Uh, but again, it shows Seattle. It shows the depth they have. Siggy Schmidt deserves credit. He's built himself a really strong team that, you know, again, for me, they are right there. I think they're going to be there at the end when you're talking about MLS Cup. Yeah, and when, you, when we talked about their uh, their recent results, that, that hiccup against the Galaxy, that uh, that, that four-goal loss looks kind of, like I said, like a hiccup and in, in something that the Seattle have, have clearly have moved on from and, and continue to play well. Um, right. Well, it, it, but yeah, fun, it's funny that you mentioned that. Because uh, you know, I was talking to uh, Charlie Joseph last night. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, he, he, for those who weren't aware, he, he was suspended for the match. So uh, you know, because he, he he got a red card in that Galaxy game, and we talked about that game, you know, and and it, it was just you know he, he he admitted it, and it was just a frustrating game. The team came out flat, and, and but it it definitely put a me- it put a message in their minds that we cannot have this happen again. We do not want this to happen again. And LA is going to be the team that they—they're probably going to be the team that they face down the road when you're talking about the teams battling out for the West. No disrespect to FC Dallas, no disrespect to the Portland Timbers, two teams who have had outstanding seasons. What about They've Real exceeded, Salt Lake? Real Salt Lake, to team—you know—teams that are that have exceeded expectations. I tell you what, at the end of the day, line LA and Seattle are probably going to be there at the end. And uh, you know they're gonna re- Seattle's gonna remember that that blowout. They're gonna remember the way that LA took it to them, beat them up, up and then talk trash. I mean, I heard I'm, I'm hearing that you know LA definitely let them know that they were beating them badly, along with not just on the scoreboard but on the field talking trash. So that's gonna be a, definitely a good one. And they play again, and that's say what you can you do not want to miss a, another LA Seattle game. If they're playing, you absolutely want to watch because that's gonna be that's th- those are the teams. Man, I think one of those teams will win MLS Cup this year, in my opinion. Uh, well, it's funny that you mentioned. Oh, I'm looking right here. Uh, Seattle plays LA Galaxy on September 21st. That is their that is their next game. Just so you know, Ivis. It is circle your calendar, folks. In in LA at the Home Depot Center. Um, speaking of, uh, well, we we talk about how Seattle's doing in in, in the West. Uh, Huge game this weekend against Real Salt Lake, and I'm glad we're talking about Real Salt Lake because I think it's time that maybe Ivis we recognize them as maybe a serious contender for the title. They go off and beat the LA Galaxy three to one. Almost Garcia with the brace, looking unbelievable. However, though, I will say that Galaxy's defending was questionable at times, but Real Salt Lake still got the victory three to one. And uh, I mean, the, the, their players are coming back healthy, and they're they look like a serious team right now. Well, hey, listen, L.A., as we learned last year, L.A. without Omar Gonzalez is a completely different animal. And and obviously they didn't have Rob Keane either. Um, so, they, you know, they've been pretty bad now. They, they've, they've had this string of results. It's been pretty awful. But, again, I don't think anyone in L.A. is panicking because they know the deal. They know they don't have their full team back. They're, they're two of their best players are not there. They'll be okay in the end. But Salt Lake, I, hey, Omez Garcia, man, you want to talk about a guy – who another great, 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 great pickup uh, for Garth Lagerway, Jason Christ, those guys, man, I tell you, they do more with less than anyone in the league. I mean, when you think about some other teams that are out there spending DP money on young forwards that aren't producing, and then you look at Salt Lake and they have a guy in Garcia who is not a DP, yet he's, he's, he's looking every bit like a DP, like the type of guy you want with a young DP contract. I mean, there's a reason Salt Lake keeps getting it done. There's a reason they can go into rebuilding mode and still be one of the better teams around. Uh, it's great to see. And Garcia, young forward, exciting player, exactly the kind of player you want to see coming in MLS. Well, he is uh, he's a rookie this year. He has uh, four goals and uh, in nine games played. You, and, and the thing, you're really not concerned with the Galaxy, Ivis? I, I know they're missing their guys, but I don't Garrett, know, man. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett. Were you in a coma in 2012? Did you miss the whole L.A. being awful for four months and then just turning it on? Uh, you know, no, I, they, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying though. Wait, okay, wait. did you see they were Landon? Even Don- worse last year. Okay. They were did even you, worse last year at the beginning of the okay. game. Okay, did you see Landon Donovan's comments after the game where he's saying that you know the team needs to take themselves more seriously? I, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but but uh, I mean, he, he kind of lashed were, out listen, on his there teammates. There were quotes last year too. They were they went through the same thing last year. 
here. They will be fine. And I tell you what, I know there's some panic mode in L.A. I know Galaxy fans, especially not only the results, not only that they're losing the results, but they also traded away Mike McGee, uh, you know, a, a beloved a beloved player, a clutch player for them, and also a player who's scoring goals, yeah. uh, you know, like crazy now since he's gotten to Chicago. That's like adding – That's talk about pouring salt in the wounds, right? If you're a Galaxy fan, you you know, I feel like 99% of Galaxy fans hated the, the McGee-Robbie Rogers trade. But on top of it, now he hit. He's scored in every. He's he's played three games for Chicago, uh, two league games, one uh, open cup game, three games, three goals. So he is getting it done, right? So if you're LA, you're like, what in the heck? Why did we trade him? Oh my gosh! But hey, I would say this for LA fans: not only is Robbie Keane not there, not only is Omar Gonzalez not there, they're gonna be back, right? You're gonna get those guys back, and this summer they're gonna spend money. They're gonna go get a DP. I don't, you know, we talked last show about the reports about Giovanni, uh, about Gio DeSantos, and I'm not saying he's going to end up a Galaxy player, right? I'm not saying that, but it's clear they want to spend money. It's clear they had, you know, the uh, you know the upper management there. They know they they want another star. They want they they want to spend that money. They want a Latin American star to help them in their in their market and also help them on the field. So. You gotta like the chances of the Galaxy going and getting an impact star player or an impact high, you know, quality international player, right? They're gonna get one. You just, you know what? Look at their track record. They find a way. They make it happen. David Beckham, Robbie Keane, they get it done. So that's why I'm not gonna. Pan- I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, oh, the Galaxy are in trouble. No, they're not. You know why they're not in trouble? They're not in trouble because they still have Robbie Keane. They still have Land- uh, Omar Gonzalez, Landon Donovan. They still have some of the best young players in the league. They still have ownership with deep pockets who like to spend. And then put it all together, they still have Bruce Arena, best coach in the history of MLS. They will be fine. So listen, folks, if you're a Galaxy fan, you're freaking out, you're on the ledge, you think, oh, it's over, Beckham's left, so now everything's falling apart. No, folks, they will be fine. You just got some hiccups you got to get through. <laughs> but I tell you what, come September, October, November, they will be there. They will be strong. They will be right in the conversation. For, for MLS Cup. Well, the Galaxy, their next game is going to be on June 19th uh, against the Portland Timbers. I think uh, they'll have Keane back for that game. Um, I think he plays uh, this weekend, his last game with Ireland. And then, uh, I mean, Omar Gonzalez probably will not feature uh, in that game. Galaxy will also be without Jose Villarreal for, for a while, too. Um, another game, Portland-Chicago. Speaking of Mike McGee and, and what he's been able to do, uh, Chicago came out really flat. Portland jumped out to a uh, to an early lead, but uh, Chicago came back and, and they played outstanding. And, and Mike McGee kind of really sparked it uh, against against the Portland Timbers. Uh, the Portland Timbers without uh, Donovan Ricketts back there, um, and then Kosick had had a kind of a blunder. McGee scores, and then uh, Palladini scores the equalizer. And the Chicago Fire, man, they they it might be a turning point in their season. Well, the, it. It's been coming. I mean, this is not, um, you know, ever, ever, you know, when they added McGee and they added Baki Sumari, they they got that they got that key draw at Salt Lake, right? They got that point, and then they turn around, they get a win, and now here, now here we go to rally back. I mean, it just shows you what a difference one or two players can make, not just because of what they do, but just because of the confidence they bring to everyone else on the team. And I'd say what Portland, right? I mean, they they've extended this unbeaten streak. They still haven't lost till March, but this absolutely is going to feel like a loss for the Timbers because you know what? When you're up two nil, you should put the game away. Uh, but hey, you know what? You still got to give the Timbers some credit, right? I mean, they they go into Chicago. They're missing uh, several several players: Donovan Ricketts, um, Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, uh, Footy Danzo, Rodney Wallace. Right? Four guys, four starters. And they still go out there and take it to the fire and really could have put them away. Uh, you know, Caleb Porter's obviously going to hate giving up two goals, hate giving up a lead like that. Um, but, you know, when the dust settles, the fact is they still, to get a road point, given who they were missing, it's still a solid, still a solid result for them. But for the fire, like you said, man, the ball is rolling. The ball is starting to roll. They got what they needed. They got McGee. They got Sumari. Exactly what they needed. They were not, a, they were not that bad a team before they added those guys. They just had those. Those pieces missing. They were losing a lot of games that were close games, hard fought games. They just needed that to get over the hump. Now they've got a goal scorer. Now they've got a rock center back in, in Sumari. 
they are going to, I'm telling you, man, they're going to make a little run. And, and you know what? I don't know if they're done spending. I don't know if they're done making moves. I think the fire, you know, if you're their ownership group, you know, I could understand if maybe you wanted to see some signs that there's a reason to invest a little more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And if, if you have, a, if you look at these four games they've played now, they're, they're counting the open cup. They've played four games. They're unbeaten in those four. Mike McGee scoring goals. Fire fans are starting to believe again. Uh, you know what? There's some momentum there. You need to build on that. And I tell you what, Andrew Houtman, I've given him plenty of stick through the years, uh, but hey, this is his chance to show to to you know put his money where his mouth is. Uh, I know I know the, there's been stuff out there that's you know he he wants his guys to to go get some talent. And you know what? If if they do that, right? If they go this summer transfer window, they can go get maybe another piece or two. The fire there, man. The the East is there for, to get you know that the, when you're talking about the the fifth spot in the play in the playoffs in the East, mm-hmm. it's there. It's wide open. New England, Philly, uh, now Chicago. You know th- those those teams are all in that conversation. No one's pulling away just yet. Um, so hey, the fire. If you're a fire fan, you got to be feeling pretty good right now. So much better than you were feeling a month ago. Because a month ago, man, it, it was it was very 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 uh, unhappy times. If you're a fire fan, but now completely different vibe going on in, in Chi-Town. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Since uh, the Fire have added McGee, the uh, Fire have picked up five points. They still have a long way to go, though. They, they, right now, they're, they're on 12 points. Uh, Sporting Kansas City is 10 points ahead at 22 for that fifth spot. Uh, so the Fire still, you know, ha- have a uh, have a lot to go. Um, for, for the Portland Timbers, though, uh, you have to still be impressed with the fact that now they're on a 12-game unbeaten streak, Ivis. This is this is impressive what what they've been able to do, right? Hey, man, uh, you know you know me. I've been since day one saying that this team would be good. Caleb Porter, my pick for coach of the year before the season. I thought he would figure. I, I, you know, he's a good coach. You know, anyone who anyone who wanted to just use that Olympic qualifying thing and say, oh, that's proof he's not ready. He's not a good coach. You know what? There were so many circumstances there that people just oh, chose yeah. to ignore. But when we talk about right now, I mean, the guy is a quality coach, and he's getting it done. You know, he's figuring things out. He makes changes. He makes adjustments. Um, well, he's getting his players to play at a, at a high level. We're seeing that with Bill Johnson, Ryan absolutely. Johnson, Donovan yeah. Ricketts is another guy. I mean, look at the guy of the weekend, uh, Picayone. He looked outstanding. He didn't score, but he was all over the field. I mean, you've seen the Caleb Porter effect. Every guy is playing above their level. It's, it's awesome. It's outstanding. Right. They, yeah, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it. So they're going to be there. And, hey, I want to see this Galaxy-Portland game. It's going to be a good one, uh, you know, to, to see, you know. And I know Caleb Porter's going to be out for that one. Absolutely. Because you know what? You know, as a, you know, as a coach, as a young coach particularly, you know, Bruce Arena, man, he's the standard bear, right? He's mm-hmm. the guy, you know, he's won the MLS Cups. He's the U.S. national team. You know, he is the guy. You know, if there's a U.S. coaching Mount Rushmore, he's on it, right? So if you're Caleb Porter – you want to have a good result against them, right? You want to, you know, for your own kind of satisfaction, you want to show, hey, I'm here now. I'm not just some young kid coach, some young coach. I am a coach in this league. I'm a good coach in this league. And I tell you what, I, I can't wait to see that game. I cannot wait to see that game because uh, L.A., you know, L.A., for whatever, for for the struggles that they may have, they mm-hmm. play good soccer. Even when they're struggling, they try to play. There are teams who play. There are teams who, you know what, they don't necessarily play good soccer. The Galaxy try to play good soccer even when they're struggling. Portland is always trying to play. So that one, I think that's going to be uh, a great matchup, and it's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Yeah, you're right, Ivis. Uh, that game's going to be on uh, July 19th, uh, a Wednesday. Uh, this week, MLS teams uh, are in action. It's not league play. It's uh, U.S. Open Cup. That's going to be on June 12th, Wednesday. Uh, so as always, uh, go lower division teams. Go Orlando City. Go Tampa Bay Rowdies. Go Charleston Battery and Carolina Railhawks. Take it to the MLS teams. <laughs> there you go carrying the flag for the lower division <laughs> you know it uh in a new segment before we close out the show we're gonna have a sbi q and a i've sent out a tweet before the show uh asking people to send in questions hashtag ask the sbi show if you're listening to the show now obviously it's too late but we record probably the next show what i thursday night friday morning about yeah so so pay attention thursday or friday morning well ivis will tweet it out so let's quickly go over these uh let's uh let's go over these uh questions that people sent back to you the first one right here ivis from uh james stansel his twitter handles at my name is james underscore Uh, his question is besides landon who's the one player you would call into the u.s men's national team who's not there now and could actually help 
That's a very good question uh, that could actually help right now that isn't here. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, Eric Lehigh is a player who, for whatever reason, Jurgen Klinsmann never calls in. But I'll tell you what. We're talking about a guy who can play left back or play right back. And I, I think he's shown well at times for Aston Villa. And I think right now, if he was, if he was, if he had come into camp from day one, uh, I think he's someone who could give you some minutes uh, at either fullback position. Uh, nothing against Beasley or Brad Evans, but uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he would necessarily be out of place if he were on this team. Uh, next question. Oh, James, good question. Five stars for you on that question. Excellent. Uh, next person is from Nate. His uh, handles at. N and then there's eight N's, so it's N N N N N N N N. Um. Hey, by the way, did you mention that in his question it was besides Landon Donovan? Yeah. <laughs> did you? Okay, good. Yeah, I know. Of course, I read the whole thing. Okay, the next one from Nate. Do you think Howard has gotten timid? It looked like he should have contested that Jamaica goal. Ivis, what do you think? I think people make way too much out of one play, and I, I, it was. I tell you what, that ball was in a tough spot. Now he could he have come out? Yes, you can. You can say he could have come. Kind of, out but i think the conspiracy theory of well you know he he ended up with broken bones in his back when he when he came out in that one game and maybe now he's he's holding up a bit you know i watched that game i I watched that replay a few times just to kind of get a sense of you know where it was and and where that ball the way it was coming in uh early on it looked like it was going to be too far out in front of him so you know he had to you have to make a decision as goalkeeper pretty quickly am i going or am i going to stay on my line and he stayed on his Fine. And uh, he could have done better there. I think he'd even. I think he would tell you that. But you know, is that play a signal that you know he's starting to lose it now? No. I think people need to take it easy. Uh, he he hasn't had one of his monster games lately. But I don't think that means he can't still play at that level. I mean, any if you if you have if you honestly have doubts about Tim Howard at this point, then I don't think you watched much of the. Pre- Really, the last two months of the season, because when he came back from his back injury, mm-hmm. he was outstanding. The time off, I think, actually did wonders for him. So he's still he's still a quality goalkeeper. He's still the number one. Uh, he's not he's not losing that job anytime soon. Uh, the next question is from uh, Chris McGuffin. Is he? At, he's at the curse of Chris. Chris, excuse me. I don't know why I said it like that. Also, according to his Twitter handle, he uh, enjoys long walks on the beach. Uh, Chris's question is, which U.S. men's national team players have the most to prove if they get called up to the Gold Cup? Well, Landon Donovan, obviously. He's on. He's in the preliminary roster. He will be on that team. I just don't. If he's healthy, I don't see how he could not be on that team. I think he's one. I think Breck Shea uh, is someone who, obviously, he, I, you know, at this point, he's not going to factor into these games in June. But I think he's someone who has to absolutely, you know, to just kind of re- re- regain his standing, I think he's someone who has to have a good good goal cup. Stuart Holden obviously is is kind of an easy one that you know he's got a, you know that that competition is a great opportunity for him. And lastly, I'd say the old guard at center back. When you talk about Carlos Bocanegra and Aguchi Onyegu, mm-hmm. if those guys are on the team and if those guys become the starters on that gold cup team, I mean, I think that's a great opportunity. For both of them to show that you know what you can't rule this out just yet, we're still good enough to to challenge for one of those top four center back spots. And I don't think anyone should rule them out just yet. I mean, I know. Listen, Gucci, he went to Malaga. He didn't. He hasn't played much. Listen, the guy's made a ton of money. Obviously, moving around AC Milan, Malaga, he's made a ton of money, but he hasn't played at all, right, or much at all. So. It's an. It's the next step for him is interesting. Where he goes, what club he goes to next, because I think he, you know what if he has any realistic aspirations about being on that 2014 World Cup team, he has to go somewhere and play regularly. So this Gold Cup, if he can get on the team and he can you know play well enough to get in the starting spot, then we can see if he's still a viable option. Because if he doesn't, if he doesn't, and take advantage of that, if he's not a factor in the Gold Cup. I think he kind of just ruled Gucciarnier well uh, from here on out. And, and you, can almost, you can also say the same about Bocanegra. I think Bocanegra and Landon Donovan are in similar situations where, you know, that gold tub's their chance to be leaders on that team and, and help, the, help the U.S. win another title and show Klinsman that, hey, we, we've put the snubs of the past behind us. We just want to be a part of the team. We just want to show you we're still that, 
that level of player that that's worth being on the team. So I think those are the guys that the Gold Cup's the most important for. Uh, the last question is from Robert Wilson. I was really excited to read his question, but he called me out in another tweet. So his question, <laughs> his question going into this is a zero question, zero out of five stars. It's it's the worst yes. question ever, but. It, well, this isn't the one calling me out, but this is the real one. It's still zero out of five stars. Um, on average, here's the question. On average, how many times do you watch a game before writing your opinion or grading performances? Well, I'd say generally speaking, um, I think most writers watch the game the one time, right? And, you know, if I'm at a game, uh, you know, I can't watch it over again. If I'm at, you know, if, I, if I'm on the road, if I'm in, King, you know, Jamaica, Costa Rica, Mexico, whatever, you watch the, you try to watch the game once. Take it in and, and 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 write your opinion about it. And ideally, right? And I'd say this one thing specifically: when you talk about something like player grades, right? I think ideally everyone who does player grades would watch the game more than once, right? Because there's so much going on on a match night, especially when you're yep. covering it when you're at the event. You know, we're we're tweeting, we're doing live commentaries, we're we're we're, we're focusing on the stories we're writing that night. So you know what? It's not the best environment to really focus on a game, and uh, you know. And, and see every detail. And I and I and I've definitely, you know, I like to watch a game a second time before I do grades, which is why I generally like my grades sometimes take longer, you know, why they come out the next day. They, you know, some people in a you know, not nothing against anybody. Some people out here now, some writers, they put grades out instantly. It's like the whistle blows and boom, grades are out. And you know what? That's one way to do it, but I can't imagine those guys are are, are are 100% happy with those grades when they if and when they're able to watch the game a second time, when you really can just sit down and focus on a game. So I'd say, ideally, I'd watch every game twice before I write about it, but obviously, given the circumstances, that's not always the case. Some, you know, A lot of times, we have to comment on the game and, and give our observations on the game, having just seen it once. Uh, so the, that ends the SBI Q&A. Everyone, thank you for, for sending us questions, like we said before, on uh, Thursday... Uh, night or Friday morning, uh, I was when I usually that's when we record the show. Um, we sometimes uh, it's sometimes random, but pay attention on those days because those are when we do the questions. Uh, well, everyone, thank you for listening to the uh, hey. to the show. What, what's up? What's up? Yeah, I just want to say you know Seattle is you know for anyone who's listening, if you're in Seattle uh, or if you're not Seattle, it's it's you know the atmosphere here is unbelievable. Saturday night, uh, they had the the largest MLS crowd of the season, and uh, you know they they do a great job here. And Tuesday should be another another great atmosphere and um you know the u.s isn't the u.s is they're feeling pretty good uh you know i i think i you know i wouldn't have pegged them for nine points but the way they the way the vibe is around the team i i don't i, don't, I can't remember seeing the u.s national team uh look this obviously happy in a long time so you know what it, it could be a pretty good few weeks for if you're a u.s fan and if you're in seattle uh have a good time. Seattle's a great city. Uh, had a had a chance to go out last night. Uh, Belltown was popping. Great, great Saturday night. The, the, if for those who've never been to Seattle, there's plenty to do. Great restaurants. Uh, you know, great sights to see. But also, there's a good night life here. As as uh, some of my peeps here in Seattle uh, put me on to. So uh, if you see me in Seattle, make sure you say hi. I'll be at the AO party on Monday. Um, so if you you happen to be in town to watch the game. Definitely come up and say hi because I love I love meeting listeners slash readers because you guys make make this job worthwhile. Uh, also, get Ivis drunk and tell him how much you love the show, and he'll just buy you drinks for us tonight. <laughs> I think there are, yeah, anyone that, that that listens to the show that meets me will probably tell me why. They'll probably ask me why you're on it. I'm sure they will, Ivis. I wouldn't. No, be, I'm just I, kidding. I'm just I wouldn't be surprised kidding. by that. You have a lot of fans, Gary. Th- thank you, Ivis. Thank you, Ivis. No, 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 dude. Come on, you know, man. They're all in your family. But, no, you know, hey, no, no. Hey, hey. It's what, what you can get. It's no. It's what you and I talked about, man. It's like we we do it because we're passionate about it. We love it. You know, we we, we grind for it. You know, so you know, you 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 put a lot of pride into what we do. You know, that's all we're trying to do, folks. We we, we know it's not always going to be perfect. But we just try to give you a good product a couple of times a week. Yeah, try try is the key word right there. I think we do a good job. I think we have the best. <laughs> I think we have the best soccer podcast there is. Okay, I, there it is. I said it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we're like number like two or three. I think. I think. Hey, listen. We're right you behind. We're right behind Arizona Soccer Talk at number one, and uh, <laughs> the other show on the other network that I do. I think that's number two. <laughs> listen, folks. 
folks. Thank you for listening and keep keep sending us those iTunes reviews. Keep uh, we we've definitely seen an uptick in that department. So thank you very much for all of all of you who've been who've been uh, submitting reviews and, and just keep on listening. And we'll, we'll, we're, I think I think we, we might end up going to three shows a week. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. It's a possibility, but it's going to if people want three shows a week, let us know. Send, let us know on Twitter. Let us know on the site. Yeah, let us know. Because Garrett, Garrett doesn't want to do it, but I, I think we do. If, if uh, there is demand, then yes. Yes, we just will. Tell, you know what? Just tell Garrett you love him on Twitter yeah. and on the site, and we'll have three shows a week. I need the ego boost, so please, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, Ivis, have a good time at the game, and uh, everyone else have an excellent time. Ivis and I will be back again later this week. Everyone, thank you for listening to the SBI Show. <laughs>